of the Slasher Sanitarium. We're talking from episode 3, this one entitled Choosing Day. We begin this episode with a walkthrough colony house. We get a shot of two people fucking on a couch a few feet away from the Matthews family. Yeah. Tabitha wakes up from a nightmare. She was remembering the night before. Jade then screams for help, and he has finally woken her back up. Donna runs in to quiet him down, and Jade plays the Don't You Know Who I Am card, and Donna begins to have the talk with him. You you couldn't have, like, maybe not done that when there's a small child, like, a couple feet from you? Like, there's other rooms in this house. You don't have to be doing that right there. But okay, I guess, I mean, there's really only two police officers, and they seem to be dealing with other things. Poor Jade has no idea what's going on. And, uh, yeah, this entire episode is going to be just hell for him. Boyd wakes up and looks outside where a metal box is located. We then go into our intro. Boyd heads to his desk and pulls out the keys to a locked room, which is their jail cell. I don't know why there'd be a locked room in the post office, but apparently there is. Frank is still inside. And Boyd asks him if he's hungry, and then tells Frank whatever happens tonight is not personal. Frank tells him that his wife always liked Boyd. And Frank says he wasn't always drunk. Boyd gives him the rest of the day to tie up loose ends. At least they don't really pussyfoot around the fact that, like, they're, they're gonna kill this dude. And we don't know exactly how yet he's going down, but at least from this conversation you're like, okay, yeah, you can... You can go ahead and say it's not personal all you want, but you're still ending a dude's life. Jade and Donna finish having their conversation, and Jade recaps that monsters hunt them every night, and they killed Toby last night. Kinda. He then tells Donna to fuck off. He believes that Toby has set up an elaborate prank on him. He says Donna's a great actor, but Ellis was trying a little too hard. In his mind... This whole thing is a giant escape room. So then he runs outside and winds up stealing a bike from a woman passing by. I mean, it's Colony House. You share everything, right? So I hope you were done using that. Ethan is still playing a staring contest with the boy in white. Tabitha arrives to talk to her son. Ethan bitches about the pajamas he is wearing and says that they're too itchy, but they appear to be his? I think. If they are not, they are dead kids. Tabitha says that Jim went into the RV to get their shit. Julie doesn't want him going through her shit, which I was curious if there was something that's going to come out of that, but it doesn't appear that that was the case at all. She just was her typical, like, I don't want him touching my shit. 
Tabitha asks if they want to go get some food because someone is making breakfast. Ethan asks if there are hobo eggs, which I had no idea what that was, and I had to Google it. And it's just bread with a hole punched to it and an egg dropped in the middle of it, which I guess I didn't think had a name, but apparently it does, and it's hobo eggs. The more you know. Tabitha says there's oatmeal. She and Julie both leave, and Ethan shares a wave with the boy in white. Kenny talks to his mother at the diner, but she doesn't want to talk about how her husband is now dead. She proceeds to drop a glass on the ground, and Kenny and her share a bit of a moment. She blames herself for not being there last night, but Kenny confronts her. Sarah then waltzes in and helps clean up. Now, that does seem to be rather brazen and a bit dickish, but if you are trying to make it so people don't think that you did it, you kind of have to go in there and be this cavalier about it. Now, obviously, you know, uh, Kenny's mom and Kenny both don't even suspect Sarah because of the way that she made it look. Which I still had some questions about, because why... She didn't do everything to Toby. The monster still came in and took a couple nibbles off of him, so, like, why make her do that in the first place? Just to show that she would do it? Or or what? Like... Because, yeah, like, they, they, they've tied it up a little bit to make it look more like it was them. I don't know. Victor is outside Colony House, measuring the distance between the house and the tree line. It's just as odd as it sounds. Julie is brooding on the porch, so Fatima offers him some berries. Julie mentions that they grow their own food there, which is just a little world building, and Fatima gives her a hug to comfort her. It's like, I mean, they, they call it Colony House for a reason, because they really are like a commune or a colony. Like, they grow on their own food, they're kind of all taking care of each other, they're, you know, sharing fuck buddies, things like that. You know, the normal things that happen in the colony. Jim arrives back with their luggage, and Jim brought some books with him. He offers to read Adventures of the Grand Gulagog, or Flight of the Cromonocle. Now, these are not real books, as far as I can tell. And they don't sound like real books, either. I mean, I guess you you could conceivably see books with weird fucking titles like that, but I have never heard of a Gulagog or a Cromonocle before. Ethan asks him to make the sound, and he starts making odd bird noises and dancing around the room. Tabitha then joins in as well. Julie returns and Jims tries to get her in uh, on to join in the fun, but she doesn't. Donna arrives to say Katri has arrived to talk about the choosing ceremony, because everyone has to choose between the town or the colony house. Julie wants to come to see the town, but Jim and Tabitha say that she has to stay behind and watch Ethan. So, first off, Julie's reaction of like not wanting to join in on this makes a lot more sense when you think about the fact that this is not the way her family is normally acts. Like, they're, they were already talking in the first episode about, like, oh, I, I like it when we're all kind of having fun and playing games like this because we haven't done that in a while. Like, it hasn't been that way since 
the their other son died. So it's like she comes walking in here and all of a sudden everyone's all happy and cheerful and like completely forgetting all of the troubles. It's yeah, I can I can see why that would be a little jarring. Second, I don't know why they make such a big deal about whether whether someone chooses to live in town or live in the colony house, but they they seem to. Jade walks to the diner. He asks if there uh, is any monsters that are going to jump out at him, and he cuts in line. But Tianchen hits him over the head with a spoon. Sarah sees her brother walking up and runs outside. He claims that she promised to stay home, but Sarah says that people would have been suspicious if she didn't go to work, which is true. Also, there's clearly eggs in this diner, so Tabitha holds whole like, oh, they don't have eggs, but they've got oatmeal thing. Well, first of all, she would have known that, but second of all, like, it's clearly not the truth. Katri explains to Tabitha and Jim that the talismans protect them, but they also need to nail up the windows because kids are stupid. He explains that people who live on fault lines go about their business as well and just deal with earthquakes when they come by. So that's why everyone kind of just acts normal. Tabitha asks about the metal box, and Katri says it's the only form of punishment that they have there. Jim asks if there is a talisman in there. There's not, and tonight will be the first time that they're going to be using it. Katri then shows them Frank's house as the place that they will take over since he won't be needing it anymore. Which is really weird to just be like, okay, so uh, this house here, there, there. Look, I'm a real estate agent. I have to tell you, there was a death here. There's two. Um, also, the guy is still alive, but don't worry because he's not gonna be sleeping here tonight. He gonna be dead. Katri then shows them that they have yet to clean up the room where two people got eaten. Just like, come on, man, like, you could have at least scrubbed the walls down a little bit, so that way they would be more inclined to, like, accept going to this place. Tabitha Bolts and Jim talks her down. He says they just have to follow the rules, and they will be safe. Boyd and Frank go to the woods, and Frank shows him a swing that he put up for Megan. Which is weird, because you had plenty of room at the... At your house, you probably could have put up a swing there instead of going all the way out into the tree line. He asks that he be buried with the rest of his family. Frank is then left to make peace with the end of his life. Which, considering that there was a rope up in a, in a tree, I thought, eh, you know, maybe. Would you, would you cut him down just to have him die a little bit later at the hands of the creatures? I don't know. Atlas creates a crutch for Ethan. Julie asks why Fatima and Alice are helping them when they don't really know them. Fatima tells her, that's just what we do. Jade is talking with Kenny, and he's really excited for the escape room. Jade says there are some issues with this because it's supposed to be a nightmare, and he's being served breakfast, and, like, that's kind of weird. Kenny says that they don't actually know where the cows and chickens come from, just that they're there. Jade fucks off as Christy arrives to check in on how... Kenny is doing, and his mom. Christy and Kenny share a hand-holding moment. I I like this Christy and Kenny... Um, I hesitate to call it a relationship because it's clear that they're friends, because they haven't, you know, they're not really 
They're not really kissing or snuggling up or anything like that. They're just kind of sharing some friendly moments. But there seems to be something between the two of them. Uh, but so far, I like it. Victor is still checking how close the trees are when Ethan asks him what he's doing. Victor wants Ethan to fuck off, since if his parents catch him talking to Victor, he'll get blamed and Donna will take away his peaches. Ethan asks if Victor has seen the boy that lives out in the woods. Victor appears to know what Ethan's talking about, and then tells Ethan he is checking to see if the trees have moved. That is significant to him. Victor wants Ethan to tell him, uh, hello to the boy. And, uh, yeah. We cut over to see that Jade finds a set of doors leading to a cellar. Inside the cellar is a room. He opens the door to the room, and there is a dude trapped beneath a giant boulder. The guy has blood coming out of his eyes and mouth, and then he turns and screams at Jade, and his eyes are milky white. Jade falls down, and on the ceiling is a symbol painted in what appears to be blood. Jade looks back, and the room is empty. He walks out of the cellar and screams, Toby is a fucking genius. So he thinks that there was like a hologram, I guess? Something. This dude, trapped in the cellar here, which obviously he's not really there right now, but he didn't seem like he was one of the creatures. Like, he screamed, but like the milky eye thing, maybe that's something that happens if they get exposed to sunlight. Maybe they just go blind or they don't actually die, but this dude was trapped here at some point in time. I don't know how they trapped him in there. I don't know how they got that boulder in there or back out of there, but... Yeah, it's, it's definitely a mystery. Catcher finds Boyd in his makeshift church. Boyd says God isn't answering him today. And he says that he can't put Frank in the box. Catcher says if Boyd doesn't punish Frank, then what happens the next time someone breaks the rules? Catcher tells, uh, tells him that he put a guillotine in the town square and asks him what he expected was going to happen. And what will happen when people realize that Boyd isn't strong enough to uphold his convictions. Boyd tells him he's a terrible fucking priest, then gets upset at himself for cursing in church. He walks out and opens the box. The box appears to be like a small horse trailer, or something that has openings for breathing. Uh, we then go to see Frank. He tells him there's a little shack in the woods. Frank needs to take the talisman, boy tosses him, and go make a life for himself out there however he can. I like I, I like this. Boyd struggling with this, like... You could tell that this whole, like, I'm gonna make this box thing was a deterrent, and was not something that he ever wanted to be presented with having to use. And obviously it has worked so far, but this one idiot decided to not do the things he was supposed to do, which he's got no excuse for. Like, I, yeah, I understand he's a drunk and he's drinking all the time or stuff like that, but, like, nail your fucking window shut. Or the wife, she could have nailed him shut too. But you can't really punish her because she doesn't have an insight anymore. Gotri starts the choosing ceremony. They have a large flat rock that looks almost like an altar, like a place that you'd maybe, like, sacrifice somebody onto. I don't know if that's significant or not. And you need to select either a rock for the town or a flower for Colony House. That's sweet. 
Boyd starts to address everyone there about not killing Frank, but he, uh, but Frank then interrupts Boyd and says that he is, just wants to be with his family again. He said he was a good dad. He wasn't perfect, but he wasn't like this. He says he let his place, this place get to him, and he failed not just his family, but the town as well. Jade, from the back, yells, Wait, no, don't go, Frank. And that pretty much puts Boyd over the edge. He walks over and grabs Jade, and he forces him to pick one. Jade grabs a rock, meaning he'll stay in town. Jim, Tabitha, and Ethan all choose a town as well, so at least Frank's house isn't going to go to waste. Julie then chooses to stay at Colony House. Tabitha tries to play the she is underage card, but yeah, there's only two cops in this town, and this ain't the regular world, so I highly doubt that's going to work. Boyd asks her again if she wants to live in Colony House, and Julie does. Tabitha says, I changed my mind, but Jim stops her. Donna keeps telling them, hey, you know, Julie made her choice. And Boyd finally tells her to shut the fuck up. He says, look, my son Ellis is up there. He's going to look after Julie. Don't worry, she'll be safe. And that seems to kind of calm everything over for the, for the meantime, as everyone leaves. I get why Julie is like, yo, peace out, I'm done with this. Like, she's not completely cutting her family off. Like, she'll still see them, obviously. But as somebody who, you know, she looks at this as like, this is an opportunity for me to kind of be more independent. And I've got these two people, Fatima and Ellis, who seem to be kind of taking care of me and, you know, kind of accepting me. The appeal is there. And she's 15, 16-ish kind of thing. So it makes total sense for her to be like, I've had to put up with all of this hell going on in my house since the death of my little brother. So I could use a break from it. And that makes total sense to me. Jade says he wants to go home. He says that the sheriff took it too far. And Kenny tells him, look, nobody's trying to be cruel to you, but I need you to understand what's actually happening here. And Kenny shows him Toby's dead body. Jade predictably freaks out. Back in town, Boyd uh, leads Frank out and into the box. Frank has Boyd promise him he will get everyone back home to their real homes. Tianchen closes up and suddenly one of the countertop jukeboxes starts up. It plays If It Be Your Will by the Webb Sisters. The Matthews family arrive at their new house as the former resident waits for his doom. Jim puts up the talisman and Jade bunks up with Kenny and his mother. Tabitha, Ethan, and Jim will all sleep in the same room, which is actually pretty smart. And Colony House welcomes Julie with a party. Frank sits at the box as what and watches as one of the Frumsters walks up to it. Boyd watches out the window as more of them surround the box. They laugh at him before one of them crashes through the wall and grabs Frank. And then the episode ends. And so does Frank's life, probably. Good episode. Good world building. Uh, again, like, we're laid out a lot of questions. You know, we've got Victor doing some weird stuff, like checking to see if the the trees are closing in on them, I guess. You've got 
the Matthews family kind of having some family drama. And, of course, you've got the resolution to our first set of deaths in the series with Frank getting killed as well. It's another person dead. This one, uh, I, I guess you would call it voluntarily. It's not really voluntarily, but he he had an opportunity to skirt out of it, and instead he accepted his fate. So, I don't know if that matters or changes anything. The The monsters, when they came out there, they seemed enough they they definitely seemed to kind of like look at it and be like is this a trap like you could tell there was there was a little bit more hesitation there but they because they tried to coax them out at first instead of just like being like hey look at this free dinner so it was like maybe there's something is set up here but yeah they seemed to learn pretty quickly and then obviously they just you know mowed them down so we still have a lot of questions to get through. Uh, we still have a lot of season to get through. We've got seven more episodes after this. The uh, finale has aired on Epics and is available. I, of course, will not be uh, using any of that knowledge in any of these recaps going forward here. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've got a, a rest of the season to go, a fun season. And uh, we're still waiting to hear on if we will have a second season or not. So with that, I want to thank you for listening, and I'll be back again with the next one. Bye-bye!